Hi and welcome to Parsha Anapod. I am Yechiel Shaffer, the rabbi of the Pikesville Jewish Congregation. This week we will be taking a look at Parshat Va'era, the next step towards freedom. First moments in history where God performs his wonders on a grand and open scale and provides Moshe with specific instructions towards actualizing his mission. In Va'era, Moshe lobbies for freedom and teaches the world about faith. Va'era has 121 verses. It fills 222 lines in a Torah scroll. Here is Parshat Va'era in seven parts. Part 1. Hamadabrim el Paro. It was they who spoke to Paro. God speaks to Moshe, identifying himself and sharing with Moshe that he has heard the cry of the Israelites. He tends to bring them out of Egypt and to the promised land, as he promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But Moshe found it difficult to share this message with the Israelites. Their spirits were crushed. God tells Moshe to go back to the Pharaoh and advocate for their freedom. Moshe protests that if the Israelites won't listen to him, how can one expect the Pharaoh to listen to him? So God speaks to both Moshe and Aaron to instruct both of them to bring the Jewish people out of Egypt. The Sephorno chapter 6 verse 13 points out that Moshe and Aaron were instructed to tell the Jewish people to leave and to tell Moshe to send them out. This was an instruction to the Jewish people to seek their redemption, an instruction to the Pharaoh to offer it to them. And so ends part one. Part two. Torah now describes for us the lineage of the families of Reuven, Shimon, and Levi. The lineage of Levi's families are explained extensively to us, introducing to us the background of our heroes, Moshe and Aaron. We meet Moshe and Aaron's parents, and the Torah identifies for us that it was Moshe and Aaron who advocated for the freedom of the Israelites. We know now who we are talking about, what their background is, and their place in the Jewish people. Rashi, chapter 6, verse 27 points out that the Torah shares this here now to point out that Moshe and Aaron were men of deep integrity. They did not change their values. They did not change their language. They did not change anything at any point while they were lobbying the Pharaoh. And so ends part two. Part three. Ani aral sefatayim ve'ech yishma'ilai. I am of impeded speech. How will they listen to me? Moshe continues to insist that he isn't the right man for the job, to which God responds with a metaphor, comparing Moshe to God and Aaron as, a, as Moshe's prophet. God now also tells Moshe that the Pharaoh will not listen and God will perform great miracles in Egypt to force the matter. Moshe and Aaron did exactly as they were commanded, and the Torah tells us that Moshe was 80 at this time, and Aaron was 83. The Ibn Ezra chapter 7 verse 7 points out that this is the only time in Tanakh that the age of the prophets is identified. 
And so ends part three. Part four. Yechezak leiv paro velo shoma aleihem. Paro's heart hardened, and he did not listen to them. God now instructs Moshe and Aaron on what to do when Paro demands to witness the first plague. Aaron was to take his staff and throw it down to the floor, and it will then turn into a snake. Moshe and Aaron did exactly as they were commanded. The sources of Egypt were able to replicate Aaron's staff snake trick. Though the Torah tells us that Aaron's staff swallowed the other staffs. Rashi chapter 7 verse 12 points out that Aaron's staff swallowed the other staffs after it turned back from a snake into a staff. The Pharaoh's heart, the Pharaoh's heart hardened and did not comply with Moshe's request. God instructs Moshe to meet the Pharaoh early the next day to demand freedom for the Israelites and to then turn the Nile into blood. All the fish and aquatic creatures died and the Egyptians were incredibly thirsty. After seven days, the Nile returned to water. God now threatens to bring a plague of frogs. Aaron holds out his staff over the river and a plague of frogs come forth. There were frogs here, frogs there, and frogs everywhere. The Pharaoh requests Moshe to move, vigorously requests Moshe to remove the frogs tomorrow, suggesting that he would let the people go to worship their god. Ramban 8.6 suggests, suggests that the Pharaoh, was, re, Pharaoh requests tomorrow to try and trick Moshe. Perhaps Moshe knew when the plague would end and was waiting by the Pharaoh for its end. He was conveniently coming when the plague was scheduled to end. When the Pharaoh asked for it to end tomorrow, he did not believe it would be in Moshe's ability to extend the plague for another day. And so ends part four. Part 5 And they piled up in heaps, and boy did it stink. Moshe and Aaron ask God to remove the frogs, which God does. All of the frogs died and smelled pretty bad. The Pharaoh remained committed and refused to let the Israelites go. God tells Moshe to instruct Aaron to hold his staff over the earth that will turn into lice. And Moshe and Aaron do so. The Egyptian magicians were not able to conjure up the lice and were instead overwhelmed by God's might. Yet the Pharaoh was unimpressed. God instructs Moshe to go back to the Pharaoh to request freedom again and threaten the next plague, wild beasts. And so ends part five. Part six. Vesamti fedus bein ami uvein amecha. I will make a distinction between my people and the Egyptians. The wild beasts came and invaded even the Pharaoh's palace. The Pharaoh called on Moshe and Aaron and told them the Israelites can go worship their God in Egypt. Moshe says that this is not a reasonable solution. 
we must go three days into the wilderness and worship God there. The Pharaoh agrees. Moshe asks God to remove the wild beasts, and he does. But then, surprise, surprise, the Pharaoh becomes stubborn and refuses to let the people go. God instructs Moshe to go back to the Pharaoh, demand freedom, and threaten a plague of pestilence against the domesticated animals. God brought the plague, and the Pharaoh noticed that not a single animal belonging to the Israelites was harmed. God instructs Moshe and Aaron to take the soot from the kiln and throw it into the sky to begin the plague of boils. The Pharaoh remains stubborn. God tells Moshe to go and warn the Pharaoh that he has essentially, he has essentially been spare, spared until now, but things are about to get really difficult. And so ends part six. Part seven. Barad Kaved Ma'od, a very heavy hail. God now promises to rain down the largest hail you've ever seen, or the land of Egypt has ever seen, and instructs the Egyptians to take any livestock into their home if they want to save them from the impact of this plague. The Torah tells us that there were some God-fearing Egyptians that did indeed take their advice and saved their livestock. Moshe raises his hands to the sky and hail with lightning and fire begins to rain down on Egypt. The Pharaoh calls out to Moshe, owning his mistake and his sin, begging for Moshe to intervene in, the, in ending the plague of hail. Moshe leaves the city, raises his arms, and the hail stops falling. The Pharaoh sees that the plague has ended and doubles down on his commitment to not free the Israelites. And so ends Parshas Ve'era. Thank you so much for listening to this week's Parsha on a pod. Here's one final thought on the Parsha. Notice how each ma- each of the Makot end. There isn't a uniform way in which they end, but rather each ends in a fairly distinct way. The conclusion of each Maka is very much part of the messaging to the Pharaoh and the Egyptians regarding their knowledge of God. Over and over again in the Parsha, God talks about the distinction between the Jewish people and the Egyptians, the distinction between a plague and not a plague, the idea of distinction with significance is rich in this week's Parsha. It is one thing to bring on a plague, it is a whole nother level to be able to remove it on demand. Again, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. My name is Yechiel Schaffer. Share this on whatever platform you listen to our podcasts. Subscribe. Have a wonderful, beautiful, and healthy Shabbos.